everybody. This is Grace, and I'm here with Nixie. And welcome to episode one of There's No Place Like Terra, featuring uh, the pilot, Children of the Gods, aka the one with Captain Doctor. <laughs> That's my title for this week. We're going to give every episode Grace's aka subtitle, uh, which I think will be. Uh, a fun little note. It, it is a tiny bit of a ripoff from Friends, <laughs> but I like it. They might change. It might be something different next time. But for now, I just really dig Captain Doctor. <laughs> uh, so we've just watched episode one, uh, both parts. Yeah. And uh, currently, uh, Dr. Sam, <laughs> Captain Dr. Dr. Sam, <laughs> is my favorite person on the show. And honestly, she, spoiler, not a spoiler in any way, she continues to be my favorite probably top favorite character of the series and that's not all the characters are within it just a smidgen hair's breadth away from each other for being favorites but it's always Sam up at the top but she's you know she's pretty cool she's got that strong woman vibe and she's also got that awesome 90s soap opera hair (laughs) which I am a huge fan of I keep trying to place her and I'm like did I see you on days of our lives you can basically place what season it is by Samantha Carter's hairstyle which is a question I did want to ask you (laughs) Because there's there's something in the show that reminds me of something I've seen in real life. So when did season one air? Season when? This episode aired, going to my fun factoids of the episode, this actually aired first time July 27th, 1997. Okay. So here's, here's a thing I know. In 1995, the Indiana Jones ride in Disneyland opened. <laughs> now, our bad guys, whose names I don't remember, have the same heads... As the three, as the, the snake Jaffa? that you look at, yeah, the Jaffa, the Jaffa, same head as the ride that you look at. If anyone's been to Disney, you don't look them in the eyes. One eye's usually out until they fixed it. I haven't <laughs> been back since they fixed the ride, but that is the thing that I know, and I know that it was in '95 because I think we were there when I was, uh, I would have been 13. Um, and that is still my favorite ride, and that's all I see when I see the Jaffa. That's awesome. But it's pretty cool stuff. We'll see if that continues to color your... <laughs> Anything your else that I think of that reminds me of a thing that reminds me of a thing. Yes. It, it's it's going to happen, because it's just how the brain works. <laughs> so, um, the this episode is written by Jonathan Glasner and Brad Wright, uh, which it's a kind of interesting thing I found out while researching this episode, that both of them separately came to MGM with the idea of taking the Stargate movie and turning it into a series. So MGM basically went, hey, you two, go work together, go make us something. Gotcha. Which is kind of a cool thing. The two of them become names you recognize a lot in the series. Brad Wright especially worked with, uh, later on, ended up being co-creator of the two spinoffs. He becomes very ingrained in the series. Okay. Um, So this episode was also... It's interesting. We watched two different versions of this episode. This is one of the episodes that's notorious for being re-edited after it originally aired. Um, It was heavily edited for syndication. It was also edited for the release as a standalone film a couple years ago. It airs differently when you see it on YouTube, or not on YouTube, on Hulu and on Netflix, than it did on the DVD, than it does in syndication, than it did uh, when it originally aired. So I did watch, uh, we watched it once here, and you have an original, I'm guessing? I have it on DVD, which is basically the original edit that includes the infamous nude scene. All the nudes. (laughs) And 
and frontal. And not ex- expecting that. <laughs> Full frontal, yes. And plus an extra scene between um, Daniel and Jack. Okay. That was not on the version that you see on streaming gotcha. anywhere. Yeah. I did watch it again on Hulu, and I am not observant enough to catch the difference. <laughs> so I'm glad that Nixie told me that there was a but difference. But you would have noticed that, hey, there's a giant there's nude scene. Definitely no, that no vagina is <laughs> on the Hulu version. <laughs> but it's actually, you know... So the story of when I I watched this the first time, when it first aired in 1987 with my parents and my brother, and it was first aired on Showtime, the first couple seasons were on Showtime before Sci-Fi took it over, and I remember very specifically, we're watching it together, and it comes to the nude scene, and my parents suddenly flick the channel and go, well, that was kind of boring, I was really hoping it was going to be something else. And I'm, what, again, 11 at that point? Yeah, that sounds right. And so my brother and I immediately... My brother's four years younger than I am. Right. So we immediately go to play video games downstairs and simply proceed to turn the TV on and finish watching the episode. Because it's that one scene. There's nothing else in the rest of the episode. Um, But so I clearly, for the longest time, I missed about 10, 15 minutes in the middle of the episode for years. Because of the nudity. Because of the nudity, which is not something that is ever repeated again in Stargate, that I've heard various stories, rumors back and forth, but the story that I hear most often is strictly the powers that be at Showtime went to the powers that be at Stargate and went, hey, you got to do something to earn your Showtime credit. Right, you know, you don't get premium cable. Without some nude. Without some nudity. So. I mean, we've all seen Game of Thrones people. We know how this works. And so the, you know, the powers that be at Stargate basically went, we did it. And there was no point to it. And it was never repeated. It was edited out of the show. And it was the one scene never to be heard of again. <laughs> well, I, I do have to agree that doesn't really add much to the storyline. But no. it's interesting to it's, see. It's interesting. I, I was more concerned about the... Uh, I'm skipping ahead in the episodes here. Yeah, we're going to go through this. Do you want to save <laughs> that for when we get in the episode? This is not chronological order. Well, we can go through means. it super quickly and we can have sure. our notes longer. Okay, so... The, the episode starts off, it's a year after the film ended. Um, we have a, we start with five airmen playing poker in the empty embarkation room and the Stargate's covered with a sheet. The room rumbles, the sheet quakes, which by the way, what is making, what is blowing the sheet away from the Stargate? And right. Um, and the Stargate activates and these alien creatures, the, the, uh, uh, Serpent guards come out. They attack. One of the airmen, I believe her name is Wetterings, is is taken. All the other airmen are killed. Uh, One serpent guard is killed. And in the end, we are introduced to General Hammond being all dignified. Now, before we get that far, here's what I want to know. Why are we playing cards next to this dangerous, dangerous Stargate? I have a hunch they have no clue. And I'll make a comment if they know what it is. And we've covered it with a sheet. Like, no, don't. Just don't look at that. (laughs) Just don't look over there. I can imagine knowing the U.S. government, they're in the process of moving it. But it's only been a year. It takes like 10 years to get that thing away in storage. Yeah. (laughs) But I love, I mean, why don't we just play on the Stargate? Why exactly. Just, you know, um, which, by the way, to me, the Stargate looks a lot like an Aztec calendar. I'm sure that'll come up later. <laughs> but I'm looking at this thinking, I, rem- I remember reading this in fourth grade. Well, Where there's, there's are star we? constellations on the Aztec calendar, okay, well, aren't this there? This is true. This is true. So the Aztecs might have had a Stargate. We don't know. Oh, so, I like that. Let's make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> the Aztecs. <laughs> 
Yeah, that was my question. Why are they allowed to play poker randomly in there? Um, my other favorite two two lines back and forth is he goes, "Don't touch it!" As the smoke bomb is thrown through the act. Don't touch it. Let me immediately pick up this bomb, <laughs> seemingly like thing that is thrown through. I have no clue. Let me get real close to it and see this what it looks like. This thing is on fire. Let me touch it. <laughs> this is what you do with fire. Let's just touch the fire. Um, but anyways, we're introduced to General Hammond, which I, I granted, if you've only you've only seen this episode, you might not have the fondest feelings yeah, for General right Hammond. Yeah, right now, I'm thinking this guy's a little bit of a skis ball. I will tell you, and this is, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to, keep, I'm going to keep you spoiler free as humanly possible, but I'm not going to be able to help to give these future slight hints. Okay. I'm, I'm going to let you guess on things Got and it. I'm going to keep a straight face during it, but General Hammond becomes very beloved okay. and you will adore okay. General Hammond. Got and it. I can see looking back that General Hammond is acting this way to try to get Jack to act in the way that he needs because he needs Jack to give him the information. He okay. knows he's lying. But General Hammond is like you he's your he's your grandfather that you want in your life. I mean he does have that uh what is that, that Winston Churchill bulldog face. The the actor Dennis Davies is from the Appalachian Mountains and he's actually in a world like um, he was an amazing <laughs> artist. Like wow. woodcarver artist storyteller person. The Ron Swanson of his time. I like it. I dig that. So we cut from there to we see Major Samuels, who we'll see a little bit later on, or more episodes continuing, go to get Jack O'Neill. Um, and then, which, by the way, I want Jack O'Neill's roof porch. Yeah, that's pretty cool. This is something I've noticed since the first time I watched this episode. Well, if Jack O'Neill is like anything as of the... Jack O'Neill, the reason that name sticks with me is because uh, being a Northern California girl, I know Jack O'Neill as the surf king. Oh, from O'Neill Surf Shops. This is a bit of a this is a bit of a reach, but every time I think of him, I think of that man who sits there and has an eye patch. I can uh, see hangs out in Santa Cruz has an eye patch. So apparently, if you name your kid Jack, he's going to be kind of cool. Jack O'Neill, <laughs> pirate. After Jack O'Neill gets through some emotional stuff, he gets has to get through in the first season or so. I can he's more of a fisher than a surfer, but right. I can see him taking up a surfboard. Got it. Um. It also brings back my favorite reoccurring line of this episode of retired. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, how old is this man that he gets to be retired from the, what is it, the Air Force? At the Air Force, he's, yes. So, I I mean, he looks like a strapping young lad. Yeah. Let's just retire. If that's really how it works, why don't we get in the Air Force? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. To be fair, George Jean Anderson... He's just ageless. This is probably true. As long as you look at pictures of him recently, and I love him to death, but he he is not quite as ageless now. He's still as dashingly handsome Somebody as ever. Somebody stole his picture of Dorian Gray. Exactly. He's still as dashingly handsome as ever, but he finally looks at least a few years older. <laughs> um, so anyways, Jack, along with his uh, former unit um, from the movie mission, are questioned thoroughly, and they all stick to the same script. Uh, which is a little noticeable. It's, mm. it's the same thing. Everyone sounds too alike. Um, so eventually Hammond threatens to send a nuke through the gate. And because uh, so, These Hammond's are the not reasons stupid. I'm not certain about this man so far. <laughs> Let's just nuke this thing. Let's well, here's the thing. It. Hammond is not stupid. He okay. smells a conspiracy. Got it. I do not for a moment think that Hammond's actually going to send a nuke through this gate. This is a bluff. I think he's gotcha. bluffing. Okay. He's bluffing because Jack doesn't yet know Hammond well enough to know that he may not be bluffing. That's true, and that's how I feel, because I don't know Hammond exactly. well enough either. So, Jack finally reveals the truth. Ra was killed. 
Okay. He was not, however, on the planet. So everyone on Abydos, which is like, I think he said like 5,000 people, mm. are still alive. But the nuke was on Ra's ship. So Ra's dead. Right. The people are alive. The Stargate's still intact. Daniel's still alive because he, of course, the story was that Daniel died Did during this mission. It. He's alive, living with his really hot wife. Yeah. Can we talk about <laughs> Daniel Shai? Shari. Shari. Um, this is a little too much. I can see how it worked <laughs> on Showtime, but my goodness, these two are all over each other the oh, entire time. That's a really good Abedonian <laughs> birth control because you know, somehow how could they not have a million children. Well, it's been a year, so at least one with another one on the way. Or, or I wonder, maybe there is some sort of thing where the humans and the the people from Abydos can They are still maze. human, oh, but they gotcha. yeah, they're still human, but it's just they've been living on this other planet. Uh, Since the Egyptian times, uh, Pharaoh times. Gotcha. Um, But yeah, hot couple alert. That's a thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I love how quickly in the middle of this episode, while talking to Jack and interviewing him and him telling Hammond all this stuff, how quickly they have brought everyone up to speed who have not seen the film. Here's everything that happened to the film. All you need to know in, in... Five minutes of and, screen and time. And I, I have to agree with that because I have not watched the film yet. I'm not certain when in the series I will watch the film. But right now I kind of like not having the backstory. It's, but I'm on board. It's I'm interesting board. too because um, the creators of the movie are not a huge fan of the creators of the TV sh- of oh. the TV show, which is kind of what we covered in Drama. the in the yes. episode zero. So. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to not have you have that backstory. And then I yeah. think maybe when you don't watch it until the entire, we're done with the entire series, and then you go back to watch I it. I kind of like that idea. Let's do it. I'm going to keep myself in the dark. So another fun tidbit that is a non-spoiler but foreshadow for you. While they're prepping the newt, nuke in the background is Walter, soon-to-be Harriman, which... Is I I knew he was in the pilot episode, but this is the first time I've seen him this early in the episode. So Walter Harriman is the Chevron two locked, Chevron three locked. Gotcha. Um, he is one of the few characters that are in the pilot and in the final episode. Oh wow! And I believe in the pilot and final episode of the two spinoffs. He doesn't really have a name yet. He goes through some name evolutions, but he becomes, again, like Hammond, one of those characters that, like, it's Walter. Oh, like you I just it. I was so excited when I saw him in the background of this shot that I'd never seen him in the background so this, this early before. Who I don't remember right now, but we'll yep. grow to love is what You I'm will grow to love him. It's okay. a slow burn to get Walter. Yeah. Like he's just one of those amazing background character actors okay. in, that they have up there in Vancouver that just kinda sits here for a while and all of a sudden you just without realizing it, learn that you could never live. It wears you down, like the river. Yes, you learn soon that where would this episode be without some Walter Harriman in the background. So that was a fun uh, moment for me. So Jack sends his his message to Daniel. They don't need a melp. I'm just going to throw this box of Kleenex to the Stargate, which I like to say is the first MacGyverism of the show. The Kleenex box? The Kleenex box. We're improvising. So, so, obviously, he Stargate activates, empty tissue box comes back. We know that everyone's happy and alive on Abydos, and right. here's Danny Jackson. So, first mission briefing. 
And we are introduced in all her glory to Sam and late 90s gender discrimination in the military. Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's, um, I did some research here because it's something I've always kind of been interested in. Of She makes a comment of she does have, you know, mil- she does have flight time in, I believe, the F-15 during combat. So she does have combat and She experience. does, but I know that it was only... I believe last year, 2013, that they officially like lifted the ban of women in combat roles. Gotcha. But I, so in my research, so what was her the, yeah, the Women's Armed Service Integration Act of 1948 is excluded women from contact, from combat con- positions. And in 1984, the DOD declared, quote unquote, service members are eligible to be assigned to all positions for which they are qualified, except that women shall be excluded from assignment to units below the brigade level whose primary mission is to engage in direct combat on the ground, unquote. So that would be infantry, special forces, armor, things like this. So, but that ban was removed in 2013. But in 1993, the combat exclusion was lifted for aviation positions. Oh. So she was able to fly Because combat, she was a pilot. But she wasn't able to do ground. Gotcha. So my question is, this is 1997, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out kind of how she was allowed to be on SG-1 because one of their main roles is combat. It's obviously down there. Now, is that in their description, though? I believe there is a quote... That Somewhere would be an in the first one to find out because they it's it's first contact exploration scientific research and combat if and necessary and then kill the peoples gotcha. and kill the peoples <laughs> so it's you know it's interesting you know maybe they're using loophole because she is asked to also has her PhD using her as the um, experience but you know it that is why the men the men in right. SG one in SG two are sort of putting up their, ruffling their feathers for this female walking in, yeah. I think, because, you know, they're looking at this as a combat mission, possibly, and, you know, there was this this bias against women being in these front row combat positions. Which is just all the more reason to love Captain Doctor. Exactly! So... That was the fun factoid that I learned while researching this episode. Right on. So this is, they're given 24 hours to do research and recon on Abydos, which is like not a huge amount of time. Right. It seems like... Let's just discover this entire planet. Go. Yeah, go. So they're they're gating to Abydos, um, which I love now, the Now, is scene. that what we call that? It's gating to something? Gating. This is how we call it. Okay. Yeah. I like it. I love the scene of... Sam and Jack at the top of the gate talking about the event horizon and then Jack just shoves her right through the event horizon. <laughs> <laughs> that was that's always a favorite. Yeah, that would mine. be interesting. Do who owns Stargate now? Where where is my ride where I get to go through a Stargate and feel it like is, vomit? Yeah, that would be amazing. I believe MGM still owns it, but I I thought MGM was having some monetary issues. That'll be something I can research for Universal, Disney, somebody buy this. Yeah, yeah, Paramount, someone. There Um, has to be a reason why we live in the theme park capital. I need to make this worth my while. I will do some (laughs) research on that, and we'll see if we can cover it next episode. Gotcha. So, they arrive at Abydos. They're in an empty gate room. They're looking around. All of a sudden, they're greeted by a whole bunch of Abydonians with Earth military weapons. And right. then Daniel comes in as the as the gun whisperer and just calms everyone down. 
Right. So, um, he's the Owen and Raptors. <laughs> yes, too. <laughs> I get it now. In Jurassic World, <laughs> calm the Raptors down. <laughs> um, so eventually, Daniel shows them the room with all the walls covered in hieroglyphs, and Sam and Daniel nerd out, and we fall in love with both of them. <laughs> um, and then we learn that the Stargate connects to planets all over the galaxy, not Got just it. Earth and Navigus. So. This is one of the, obviously, this is the first episode, but they, this is one of the few that they actually get fully geared out on when they go to the planet, and and very soon it'll just be, you know, vest, you know, weapon, belt, that's it. (laughs) Do we ever wear anything in case the oxygen levels aren't the same as our Earth? Well, is that not a thing? You know that melt, that nice uh, mobile all-terrain laboratory, I forget the exact initials, they send that. They tend to send that through first. Okay. And they obviously knew Abydos was fine. Everything's but they tend to send oxygen. that through first, and that's their probe. Okay. That's their curiosity on Mars, if you will. I'm for it. That, that tests the oxygen levels, the temperature, the viability of life. Um, so they don't have to go full astronaut, you know, survival suit. Uh, this can be so cumbersome. <laughs> Thank goodness. So also... Abydos is basically my version of hell. This <laughs> the weather and desert is basically the last first place I'd ever want to go in the galaxy. See, I'm okay with it. I I like that as long as it's a dry heat. It's I'm about happy. as dry, it looks about as dry as you can get. I don't know if that place has seen my, a drop of rain ever. My Hispanic hair is very happy without the humidity. <laughs> I'm all for it. Give me a little bit of heat. Also, how did Jack not be able to handle that moonshine? I feel like Jack could handle he, he, pretty much anything. He should be able to go, you know, toe to toe with Marion. Exactly. <laughs> Going <laughs> back Indiana to Indiana Jones. Jones. <laughs> may or may not have an obsession. So the other, we get a close up when they get into the hieroglyphic room. We get a close up of the symbols. None of those are symbols that are on the gate. Gotcha. These are all actual <laughs> Egyptian hieroglyphs. So Daniel's yeah. like, they're arranged in columns of seven, and you get where I'm going here. I'm like, no, because no. none of those are symbols this that are on the gate. Thing. Yeah. Also, the seventh symbol down the gate that you dial okay. is your point of origin. It's the planet you're on right now. Right. So basically, is every single symbol, last symbol, just the the point of, like, the Abydos point of origin on that? Oh. Wouldn't they I'm just confused. be, like, wouldn't they just be, like, sets of six because then you input your last, you already know what your well, last symbol is? Is it, like, is? dialing one to dial out of the country? Kind of, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Except you're dialing the country you're in and not the country you're going to. Okay. Uh, yes, this is okay, confusing. So we the, will the, do more research. Yeah, the, <laughs> the point is, is the first six, they they cross-triangulate where you're going to. Gotcha. In the night sky, basically. Yes. In the cosmos. And your last one is your point of origin. This is like, well, this is where I'm coming from. Right. Well, I guess it and does need to know where you're at. Yeah. To connect to that other case. That's what the last symbol's for. Dial up. It's it's your dial up. Also, it was, it was 97 people. It's Dial just up. like just just Sam and Sam and Danny just talk talk nerdy to me. <laughs> Keep up with all the nerdy yeah, talk. Yeah, I'm not on board yet with Daniel as far as you are, but I'll, I'll give him a chance. He here's the thing: the just like just the amount of PDA he experienced. <laughs> my goodness, man, slow down. Listen, I don't think he got a lot of women back on Earth. <laughs> Those Earth women are so not as easy. As probably say just they are. enjoying what has come to him um but daniel is doing the same thing that jack is kind of having to do right now of because these are characters that are in the movie 
they're in the process of taking the characters that existed from other actors and carving them into their own. So they're in right. kind of a transition period. Okay. They're having to start with... Because they're stepping into someone else's yes, shoes. Yes. Okay. They're, they're like, we have to start out here where Kurt Russell and James Spader started these characters mm-hmm. and then slowly I'm bring them in. I'm having a really hard time seeing James Spader as Danny. <laughs> that is literally why his hair is the style that it is. Okay. Is because they had to style it after James Spader in okay. the original movie. The hair doesn't last long. It's okay. Um, so, meanwhile, back in the gate room, while they're looking at all the the non-existent... Also, this becomes my favorite quote, which I'll get to later, about, you know, taking 15 years and three supercomputers to MacGyver system for the gate on Earth, which is officially the first right. reference to MacGyver on the TV show. Yeah, if you caught it, take a drink. I needed a little help to catch it. <laughs> because I was trying to take it all in. Also... So three supercomputers in 1997, mid-90s. So that's essentially what, my iPhone? Maybe, it maybe. Took, it took an iPhone? It took an iPhone 4. To calculate? <laughs> it took an iPhone I'm 4. I'm pretty sure we have in our pockets the equivalent of at least one supercomputer Isn't in 1997. Isn't technology beautiful? I dig it. So back in the gate room while they're nerding out, um, the same serpent guards that came through in the beginning of the episode emerged at the gates. Um, there was a repeat, essentially a repeat of the first scene. Carnage, death, firefight, etc., um, but Share and Skara are taken yes. instead this time. Ferretti went down, but he saw the gate address. Um, so after Daniel and the rest of SG-1, which isn't actually called SG-1 yet, gets back, Daniel wrangles the troops. He tells them that he's going to go back. He's going to get Share and Skara. And he leaves with the team. He goes, if I'm not back in a year, cover the gate. Right. Which, a year... Really? Why? why like, it, how about like two weeks? Yeah. And why is it like cover the gate permanently? Like, there's a lot of. <laughs> and here's another thing that I'm trying to. And this comes up again later in the episode. We just bury the gates, and then they're no longer useful. People yeah. can't just push through sand or dirt or whatever. You no, because in. the the point is, well, here's the concept: if you have enough, if you have enough rock and stuff around it, the kawoosh, which is literally right. what it's called, the kawoosh, the kawoosh, I like it. Well, eat away the rock with its kawooshness. Ah. But then you're literally <laughs> stuck. You're you you then you have to be able to dig yourself out or something like that. You're not okay. gonna have water, you're not gonna have air, and you can't go back the way you came because if you don't have a DHD, a dial home device. Right. Where you punch in your your phone number. So you just you get can't stuck get back in out. this limbo. You're stuck in limbo basically. Okay. I'm I wanna be on board. I'm not there yet, but I'll, <laughs> I'll take it. I'm just gonna take it for now. So and and so one more comment about Share, and this is nothing about the actress in any way, shape, or form. It's just the character as written, I feel is like the dumb ditz. She is the daughter of the chieftain. I feel like this is the she's like the Kardashian of Abydos. <laughs> she's like pretty and never had to do anything. Right. And she just literally was gifted to this extremely attractive stranger. Right. Like, does she have any life skills? Probably not. She just... Her skill is to be she beautiful. Gets, yeah. <laughs> this is a skill that I do. So, that's just... That's a problem I always... She might have a sex tape somewhere. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe she's she got carved all the... it into rock. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yes. So, um... So everyone, the, Daniel and the rest of not quite SG-1 yet, comes back through the embarkation room. And now suddenly there's this iris installed as a shield. 
Hammond doesn't like Daniel. Clearly is a little gruff with this man that he's never known. That right. ten- Daniel never technically lied to Hammond because he never came through the gate in order to right. lie. Right, if there's anyone he shouldn't be. Exactly. Um, but how in 24 hours they install the iris, the garage door of the Stargate... The reasons. Where, <laughs> where is this iris going? It just, like, magically disappears into the gate. That's true. <laughs> That's very true. There's, like, nowhere for it to go. It doesn't Magic. go behind the gate. Yeah. Like, I mean, you should be able to it see it. It goes into the kawoosh. Is that what we called it? <laughs> it it just hangs out for a minute. It's kawoosh proof. So it goes in for a second and comes back out. <laughs> so back in, back on an alien planet, which we currently don't know which planet this is, mm. Um, Teal'c and some other Jaffa take Wetterings from this giant room of all these captive people into the harem room, as I'm going to dub it for lack of a better name. Yeah, I like that. That works. So Apophis, um, oh no, he takes up from the harem room, uh, and then Apophis offers her up to her queen, Amonette. We don't actually know this is Apophis yet, by the way. This is just a random Gua'uld, and we don't even know what the term Gua'uld means at this moment. Mm. Offers her up to his queen, who slithers out of another Jaffa. Yeah, this it, her stomach looks like baked bread. <laughs> it just crossed it open to make sure it rose properly. And then this part was frightening. <laughs> But so the ghoul just slithers out and goes secretly, just like shakes her little from the alien popping out of the chest first her head and goes, I don't approve of this one. No, nope. basically, so then Wetterings is just killed by the Karakash, like the hand of nope you. Yeah. <laughs> nope, this one. Um, and I believe my favorite quote the first time we watched this from you was the fact that why do harem slaves always get the coolest clothes? They do. They get the coolest outfits. <laughs> Every slave ever. Aside from back the slave to, part? Back to Slave Leia, by the way. This is true. So, you know, if you can just take the clothing and separate away from all of the horrible, horrible, you know. Now, do we think Slave Leia set the standard or do we need to go further back? Do we need to go and. That's a good question. What did Liz Taylor. Did Liz Taylor ever play a slave? I feel like she would have worn something just as sexy. I think the modern harem view, like in this one, mm-hmm. may have gone back to start, especially because it's a fantasy show. Right. I would like to say that in fantasy shows, the harem slave woman wear probably did go back to uh, go back to Leia. She probably has a right. piece she took it from, but this is more research. Than yeah, have to be done. definitely. Um, so this was edited out of the streaming version, but Jack and Daniel then have a little sit down at Jack's house and catch up from the past year. And the moment that caught me the most is why is Jack Jack flipping this beer bottle a couple times and shaking it up really well? You know what I love to do to my beer is I did it just before we got to our... By the way, today, bartender Nick just gave us some Woot Stout and said, have a good day. This is not just Woot Stout. This is home-brewed Woot Stout. Right. Thank you to Northern Brewer and Will Wheaton and everyone at Stone. Yoo-hoo! This is delicious. But I did not feel the need to shake it before we did not grab the keg and just kind of wheeled it over our heads like Donkey Kong before we drank it. That is not a thing you do with beer. So, once we get past that, and uh, that just also, Daniel opens this thing as if, like, he hasn't, he hasn't seen a bottle in a year, so he just kind of opens it and just pauses there, like, am I going to drink this? What is, what is this? What? Yeah. 
Meanwhile, he's been I mean, drinking. A year is not long enough for me to forget what beer. Is. But he's also just been drinking this like Scara made, you know, deathly uh, moonshine that okay. Jack can't handle. <laughs> so, That's true. <laughs> so anyway, so they set off on this mission to. Oh, sorry, I'll go back. The the this is the episode staff meeting. Every episode has a staff meeting oh. for the current mission ahead, and the SG teams are basically almost formed. Now we have this is SG one. This Kowalski is heading SG two, hmm. and so meanwhile, Ferretti then wakes up. Before anyone can tell him, he's already going through and picking out the gate addresses that everyone needs to go to. So they're set. Here's our mission. We're going yeah. off to an alien planet. Let's do a thing. We find out later on that this planet is called Chulak. Okay. And they have 24 hours or they'll be lost forever. <laughs> Come on. They have their garage door opener, as they call it, yeah. GDO, that opens the iris. Why is magically 24 hours and it's done? They're not like they're telling the code It's going to disintegrate. It's going to disintegrate. Yeah, it's, it's going to self-destruct. <laughs> Again, they don't know how far away the 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 uh, settlement is from it's the Stargate. True. Yeah, they, they could better be, work fast. It could be a 12-hour walk. They're screwed. Yeah. So that's it. You're done. Um, We're not willing to help anyone more than twelve hours away. Also, the comp, the, the thing is, you they're going through the gate and they already have Stargate command and SG one and two mission patches made. The, yeah, the uniform people are on top. They're of on things. top of things. They're yeah. like they can just whip out these patches around. in like two yeah. hours. They've flat. got nothing better to do. <laughs> they're just on retainer, going, "My God, what do I do now?" And and meanwhile, they're just also knitting in the corner. Also, the design of them is done. <laughs> yeah, As well. people who design things for a living, the designs were happen. got done really fast. No, there's committees, expectations. <laughs> They ruin the lives of real designers. The design by committee that I feel is going on here would not have gotten those mission patches out. Hollywood and its unreachable standards. Those would have taken a month, (laughs) minimum. If you heard that, moaning, by the way, Kaylee Thorgy does not approve of our yelling. Is the dog just sighing next to us while she's sleeping? Um, Also, the idea of funny how every single planet. Looks like Western Canada. Oh, yeah, it's really weird. It looks Maybe like the Pacific Northwest. Is. It's from someone who grew up in California and never left it. Maybe that is what the rest of the world it looks could like. could be. Maybe everything is Western everything Canada. Everything looks like paradise. <laughs> um, so back in the harem, the guards come in and take Sharae. Uh, and then Amunette, the queen, likes Sharae. And just makes herself right at home in the back of her neck. Yeah, that's not scary. This is the random nude scene. It was clearly very cold in that room where they filmed it. <laughs> I'm sure that's on purpose. We oh. need to make this room colder. Also, there's... I know there's creative editing going on, but at least for a good... Almost probably close to a minute, there's a question of where is that gold symbiote going to be inserting herself in her body? Yeah. Where is that symbiote going? There's a lot of, uh... All right, yeah, no, we're yep, just going to leave, that, just right gonna leave that right there. Yeah. <laughs> Until it actually goes into the back of the net, where is that symbiote going? It's, it's just a little... Yeah, I'm watch that for, clip. Is that and... a porn I'm waiting for this to turn into? <laughs> is that what I'm thinking of? Yeah. <laughs> so, while exploring the planet, SG-1 encounters some monks that obviously don't speak English, but thankfully Daniel is a genius when it comes to language, isn't able to temporarily, very rudimentary, communicate with the monks. Um, and they take him into town of Chulak, which eventually the whole planet's named after this town, I mm. guess. 
Uh, and this is where they discover the identity of the Goa'uld. That it is Apophis, um, that Ra in the movie was the sun god. Apophis is the, you know, god, the god of night, the serpent god. And these are based on real Egyptian gods, yes? Yes, this yes. This is awesome. This is all, as you said, this is all straight out of the Book of the Dead. Got it. Um, they find out what happened to Share. They're thrown into the dungeons. They find Skara. Um, and then eventually the gold come and, and more people are chosen to become hosts because that's how they basically reproduce. Like right. they have, you know, they have the, the worms, the symbiote chestbursters, but they can't is do anything. Is this when they take Skara's uh, little brother? They, they take Skara. Skara is Share's oh, little Shara. brother. Yes. Thank yeah. you. So this is where Skara is chosen. <laughs> Daniel's like, take me, take me. And eventually take Skara because if someone's asking to be a host, clearly they can't be taken as a host. Right. <laughs> um, they don't take volunteers as tributes. Exactly. Got it. Uh, and I also, I love because Sam is girl power, how she's completely outraged over the fact that Shari was a gift to Daniel and Daniel just accepted her. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we it's fell in thing love. I do. Yeah. Don't I change. fell in love with this beautiful, you know. Yeah. Chieftain's daughter from another planet that was given to me and it was very willing. That's true. I didn't realize how creepy that entire it's, situation. Maybe that's why creepy. I'm not on board yet with that. It's a bit creepy. Um, <laughs> also, how convenient there's only three people on SG1. There's a missing spot. I wonder who will fill it. <laughs> it's me. It's going to be me. Also, the other comment as we watched this together last week was the fact that all the ghoul teams, drag queens, would really love to take a lesson. And Gwawold costuming. My goodness, yes. The bra hat that Shaw Ray yeah. wears in this is, it's mind-boggling. It was a little reminiscent, too, of the bad guy lady from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Rita? Rita, Rita. thank you, yes. <laughs> a little reminiscent of Rita. So bad guys all Which wear bras on their heads. Which I think is about the same this. time. I think yeah. that's a, it's mid-90s. In the mid-90s, bad, bad guys, guys wore bras on their heads. Clearly. Um, so... After this, Apophis orders everyone in the dungeons killed. And <laughs> Jack doesn't need too much to persuade Teal'c to turn on his fellow Jaffa and help save the day. Prison escape. You slowly seal Teal'c yeah. through this episode going like, I don't know how on board I am with this yeah, anymore. I like Teal'c. He's, he's a bit of a renegade. He's, he's kind of a little bit more of a moral standard than the rest of his kind. He seems to have an actual thought process. Right, Instead right. of just a mindless drone. Yeah, I dig this guy. You will find more Jaffa that are not mindless drones. Okay. Um, so, so um, but I love... Teal'c makes this... It seems like a really sudden change in this episode, though. I feel like you could have this whole episode of, like... The past five years and just snapshots of all what's slowly gotten Tilk to this point. Okay. Because it really does seem like Tilk makes this pretty sudden change, which in his head really is kind of, it's like committing suicide. It's a death sentence in right. his head. He even says, I have nowhere to go. This guy, and he's he gonna sounds sit like there. He's, he's, if he sticks around, which I hope he does, because I like Tilk. He's our moral compass. Spoiler warning, Teal is going to stick around. Okay, good. Remember that missing spot on SG1 yeah, I talked about? Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm hoping. That's what I was hoping for. Victory dance. Okay. Um, and the other, it's a, it's it's one of those weird, it's not really a plot error, but it's just one of those things we notice is that Teal calls it a Stargate and not the Chapa Eye. Like, oh. Teal, uh, the Jaffa, most most aliens, mm. other planets know it as a chop eye but does Teal'c know Daniel 
No, I no, guess he wouldn't. He wouldn't. He, I don't. He would. The only way he could have heard the term Stargate is oh. if he happened over here. Jack. I like the idea that. of him just being an early adopter and being like, I'm on board <laughs> with these people, so I'm going to speak their language. Exactly. So we learn on the way back that Teal has an infant Gould in his kangaroo pouch, um, and they make their way back to the gate. SG One is defending it. Apophis and his merry band escape through the gate. Uh, we see that Scar is already a host. Mm. More Jafar reinforcements arrive. Giant firefight with explosions and budget. Um, and eventually, Jack and, S- and SG Two provide the cover while Sam and Daniel get everyone else through the gate. And the, ref- the refugees and Teal'c arrive back on Earth to a less than warm welcome, we shall right, say. Right. Um, what do we do with the refugees once we get them back to Earth? Where do we put them? I think they. I think there was a throwaway line at the end of this that now that it may take some time, but now they have all of these um, gate locations, mm-hmm. and the computer on Earth can calculate for the stellar drift that eventually oh, gotcha. they'll be able to send them, rifle them through back to oh, the planet. Oh, I see. Okay. They'll spend some time on Earth. Most likely in really pleasant, windowless rooms yeah. down in the SGC. Oh, totally. yeah. uh, but eventually they'll make their way back to the planet. Um, the other thing is, they mentioned at one point there's like two hours before they're locked out and they're still in the dungeon room. They're walking back pretty slowly to the gates at right. that point. <laughs> they're right. taking their sweet time. Um, the other happy... Uh, a fan of the show moment is when Jack puts on his trusty baseball cap at the end there. <laughs> the baseball, he, it, from this point on, I'm pretty sure he's like, screw the helmet, my head is hard enough, I will right. just take a baseball cap. This is, uh, this is how badass I am. <laughs> exactly. Um, so there's a moment when they're trying to get back to the gate. Sam is ready with her code to get through the iris, and Daniel's just flipping through pages for the gate address. Of course. Would he not have memorized that shit or put that first page and realized that's kind of the most important reason he's you, here? You would think. Like, what's he... What, you're taking all this time. Yeah, well, I think it just goes to show that you and I are a bit more Sam than, than anyone else, because we'd be like, what are you doing? Why didn't you just memorize that? <laughs> and those graphics of the whole show. Those graphics, though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dem graphics. Which are not bad for 1997. Yeah, it's it's hard to remember this was 97. When but, I watched it on Hulu, too, I was like, what's up? But those graphics. Not widescreen. <laughs> My favorite also is they make their way and they close the iris and you hear thunk. Funk, 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 funk of all of the Jafar <laughs> yeah. just crashing against the. I so when the, when, when the iris opens again, do you just get the dust? Their pulverized dust falling oh, down? Oh, I like or that. Or do they like, you hit a thunk, but they're not even making it to Earth to regenerate? Oh, no. I Yeah, they're stuck in this limbo place again. That we're and, but in about. dust, as dust. Yeah, so it's just really gross in there. Just don't <laughs> breathe it in. You're breathing in illiterate so, beans. beans. In, the, in the middle of all of this battles, one of the Jaffa dies, and we see the Infacuold crawl out of the kangaroo pouch. Again, frightening. And crawl into Kowalski and he meets his new Jaffa friend and it's we get the hero shot of the new SG-1 team although technically not quite SG-1 Teal'c's not officially on the team yet mm. um, we get the hero shot of the team that's used for all the promo shots and everything mm. and we don't see that hidden behind him is like Kowalski just like <laughs> about ready to photobomb them right. so the team separates and there's Kowalski standing there and his eyes glow and we go cut something isn't right here and cut yeah exactly cliffhanger much yeah no kidding by the way we'll be back for episode two (laughs) (laughs) 
So as of this episode, the MacGyverism count is one. Okay. We have one MacGyver reference. Which is from Sam. Which is from Sam. Captain Dr. Sam. But there's other counts I'm going to be doing. We haven't run across the start of those yet. Gotcha. Um, So a couple of just... Again, I kind of covered in the middle of this, but some of my favorite quotes are just Kowalski going in the middle of that mission briefing. Have you ever pulled out of a simulated bombing run in an F-16 at eight plus Gs? And Carter just dead face goes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And Kowalski crawls back into his hole. (laughs) Yeah, of of manly manliness. And then in the same mission briefing, O'Neill goes, oh, here we go. Another scientist general, please. And Carter goes, theoretical astrophysicist. And Jack goes, which means? And Hammond just cuts in and goes, which means she's smarter than you are, Colonel. I do like that. That's fun. <laughs> I love that Hammond has Carter's back in all of this. Right. Well, someone has to. Yeah. I guess that does make him a little more likable. And it may be oversaid, and there's, you know, people have qualms about the line, but still, I'm an Air Force officer just like you are, Colonel, and just because my reproductive organs are on the inside instead of the outside doesn't mean I can't handle whatever you can handle. And Jack goes, oh, my problem is not with you being a woman. I like women. I just have a little problem with scientists. Yeah, I'm not sure where I sit on that yet. But let's just say that Jack has a bit of a Captain Kirk issue sometimes. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I like it. Um, and, and I mentioned it back when they're in the room. That it, this is how they control it. It took us 15 years and three supercomputers to MacGyver a system for the gate on Earth. And you just cut to O'Neill raising his eyebrow when he says MacGyver. Yeah, I just want them to sit on him a, a little bit long, just long <laughs> enough to make it awkward. Yeah, yeah, just for just, like the snark to like, like read on. You know, just Jeff mentioning face. someone's ex girlfriend and just watching them for a minute. <laughs> It's the same idea, right? Exactly. It's not weird. So we were talking about the effects right there at the end, and this episode is actually nominated for an Emmy for Outstanding Visual Effects for a Series. Oh, cool. Which kind of shows you, well, you know, we look back at it and we kind of snark at it, but really the graphics in this episode for 1997 were ahead of the game. I guess that's true. Um, We've come a long way. And this is back, too, when I'm sure things like Showtime and HBO were not meant, not nominated for Emmys a ton. Mm. They're nominated a ton now, but I, I can imagine back in, in the late 90s that they weren't getting all the Emmy noms. Yeah, I think it was still the big four getting everything, mm-hmm. maybe even just the big three at that point. So also there's an episode later in the season where they have a callback to this episode and they mentioned that this was in February of that year. So this episode conceivably takes place sometime in February of 1997. Okay. Just random fun factoid. Gotcha. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that's kind of all the fun facts I have at this point. I dig it. So, so far, I don't know how to rate these because it's the first one. So well, I'm just going to give it a three. Okay. Well, also, <laughs> the other thing we're going to be doing here is we're going to be ranking these in, at the very end of the series, we're going to have a top 20 okay. of the, if you're going to have a Stargate marathon, this is Nixie and Grace's top 20 episodes right. of the whole series. Clearly, all it can be is episode is number one at this point. So right now it's episode one, and <laughs> just because I'm a purist, I think any it's going to stick around. It's going to stick around. One's going to stick around in my top. It's a pilot, now. and I'll be honest. Watch this is, a pilot. Every pilot you go back and watch it after watching the rest of the series, and there's a couple times where you grimace, and there's a couple times you would go, "Ooh, they just never like, saw that again." Just like our pilot will be the same. One. Exactly. We're gonna look back at this and like I've gotten already. six months a year, and we're gonna go. They had no clue what they were doing. Beautiful. Stick with us. Okay. Well, I think that's it for today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, so far, I'm digging the show. Uh, I can't wait for episode two. More of Teal. 
Maybe he's my favorite. I don't know yet. Tilk becomes pretty damn awesome. Cool. Yeah. Cool. The, Tilk, I think, is another one that is a is a, to me at least took a slow burn to get really good. Yeah. He gets interesting, and then it takes a little bit of a slow burn for me to just love him. Okay. Um, we don't see enough of him for me to like him as much as Captain Doctor Sam, <laughs> but I do like Tilk. I feel like he's going to do good things. My gut tells me I like him. Uh, he's automatically going to be interesting because he's the Spock of this makeup. Gotcha. And so he's automatically going to have that interest of being the alien on Earth and trying to find his place and right. being separated oh, from his outsider. people. The outsider. So he's, he's James Dean, so to speak. So, you know, we have Jack O'Neill, who's the Kirk. Mm. We have Teal'c, who is the Spock. Um, the question is, is whether you want Sam or Daniel to be the McCoy. Oh, I, oh, interesting. Okay, we'll come back to that. Yeah, that's That'll be part be, of my homework. There you go. So, um, come back and listen to us next week. We'll, we will be looking at episode two. If you made it this far, we thank you. Yes. A lot. Uh, stick, stick with, with us. us. We promise we'll get better. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see ya.